Welcome back into the All B Sports Podcast, where it's all BS all the time with uh, James, Brian, and myself, Nick. We're going to break down the NFC West and the NFC East in this pod, in this pod. and we're going to talk about touch on fantasy a little bit. And some news of the day is that the uh, facilities for 22 of the NFL teams have, are reopening on Tuesday, May 19th. Which 22 that is, we don't know specifics yet, but we will have that up on our socials as soon as we can. Um, we want to touch a little bit on which teams we think this helps and which teams we think this hurts. Uh, I know for me, looking at the teams on the West Coast, is they're going to be the ones most in trouble. They've got, they're not, we can count four or five teams that we know for sure aren't going to open. Uh, facilities based on the state regulations. Um, and that, those are the teams that travel the most throughout the NFL season. So that's kind of my point on that. You know, I think that's going to hurt hurt the West Coast teams a little bit, you know, having a later opening date. What do you guys think? Yeah, so kind of interesting that they're allowing teams to open based on state regulations. Um, kind of with the NFL, it's always been about playing with an even playing field. Uh, we know how important this period of time is uh, for team development and uh, getting rookies in, getting them acclimated. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be the larger the teams in those larger metropolitan areas, um, which some would argue kind of get uh, better uh, free agent acquisitions and things like that. Whereas maybe teams, uh, those smaller market teams, um, maybe they got to get an edge out of this. But it's definitely going to, I think pay attention week one, week two, uh, you're going to see, I think a little bit more rust on some teams and others. And uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, are we going to see any of these other teams open up this off season uh, due to state regulations, their phases that their governors are going through uh, a lot of stuff going on with coronavirus there. And yeah, I'll be really interested and we'll be bringing you these teams as soon as we know uh, who they are. So we can give you kind of a more in-depth uh, breakdown and analysis of what that's going to mean for these teams success. One, one team that I know for sure is going to be the Miami Dolphins, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Tampa Bay Bucks, because Florida's open to all pro sports right now, yeah. uh, without without fans. So I mean, specifically for the speaking for the Dolphins, as I would, uh, they had over a fifty percent roster turnover last year, and they are going to do it again this year. So this extra time is huge for them to get get in and get see the coaches for all these rookies, all these free agents that were brought in. Again, the roster turnover has been huge for the the Dolphins. So, getting them in, getting into the facility, and looking at it is going to be is is a big advantage in my in my eyes. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that uh, any state that shows as a red state, their NFL team is going to be open. Like Wisconsin, their Supreme Court threw out the governor's stay-at-home order, so they are fully open, ready to go. If you want any cheese, now's the time. <laughs> <laughs> As far as teams on the West Coast, we did say that some were going to be closed. We're in Washington here. I think it's pretty safe to say that Seattle probably won't be opening, and the other three teams we know are probably all three of the California teams, 49ers, Chargers, Rams. Could probably probably throw the Raiders in on that too. Yeah, Arizona, I believe, is going to be open. Um, their their governor has been open to having pro sports. I know the Major League Baseball was looking at doing a dome city there for a while where they have – I mean, there's a lot of spring training happens down there, so they had tons of fields, and they were thinking about just quarantining the players in a certain area. 
So I, I imagine that uh, based on what I've heard from uh, the MLB is, is as far as what Arizona is going to do, I imagine Arizona is uh, able to be one of those teams that is opening. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the NFL is going to be open to those same kind of ideas. Um, you did hear, I mean, I think Adele came out and said that he was open to playing without fans uh, and going into uh, losing a lot of money by doing that. Um, all the teams had their debt bubbles extended. Uh, I think $150 million per team um, as far as the amount of debt that they can accrue this year. Uh, so the NFL is going to be very accommodating. I think they're going to do whatever they can um, minimize in and out traffic, but uh, yeah, when are we going to see all 32 teams open? Who knows? Who knows? I think I think the teams that won't open are probably going to uh, do some whining about it. And I th- think what probably the NFL should do is find a way to get these teams some OTAs and camps in states that are open, like use college facilities some, or even just other NFL team facilities while they're not in use if we have to stagger OTAs and camps for teams like that, just so that all teams can have that same amount of time to get in there and do that, do some work. I think that would be fair for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually speaking of fair, I actually just kind of thought of something else. I just uh, was reading about yesterday. Uh, you guys see the bit about uh, the Rooney real Rooney rule draft pick bit. So one of the, oh, yeah. some of the owners yes, are uh, putting forward a proposal to uh, add a, compensatory third round draft pick to any team that hires a minority coach uh, going forward or front office uh, executive or front office executive uh, to try to incentivize hiring these minority coaches, which I definitely think we do have an issue with minority coaches uh, in the league, but how much of that is an issue with, you know, lower level college teams, not hiring those people because it's a pretty linear progression you know, and you hire the best people available. And so by incentivizing, you already have issues with the Rooney rule, right? By people just bringing these people in, they've already got their guys picked. You saw it with John Gruden a few years back. Uh, the Raiders hired or interviewed a few minorities, but you knew they were hiring John Gruden. Um, are the, are teams just going to add, you know, their 18th assistant in the front office as a minority and pick up these third round picks? What are you guys' thoughts on those? I believe, I think that's, bonkers if we're talking about third round picks i mean that's a that's a high value pick you know and if 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 it is the 18th person as you said i i mean i've i mean looking like i said looking at the dolphins i mean how they have a minority coach they have a minority gm i mean how i get the rooney rule it's there but i want to i want to talk more about what you were just saying james is the the lower tiers, you know, the, you know, high school and the college ranks, the cream rises to the top and I don't care who you are, what you do. It, you know, if you're, if you're the best man for the job, you're the best man for the job, but we're getting, I think a little off base with, with that. I, I, I personally, and anyway. I just wanted to bring you a little news. Yeah, no, bring it's, it's, little... it's all good. Well, I don't excitement. I don't think it, it is lower level coaches. I think they have to be head coaching hires for the minority for the Rooney rule to kick in. Okay. You had just mentioned front office. So I wasn't sure. So yeah. I think, I that. think it has to be high ranking front sure. office or a, a straight up head coach to kind of, okay. If they want to incentivize those lower level uh, hires as well, like wide receivers, coach, things like that. 
I'm okay with them. Not a third round pick, but if you want to throw fifth, sixth, seventh, sure. If it gets more diversity in the NFL, that's great. And at that time, they're not giving a lot of uh, an advantage to the people doing it. I think that's a good take because, again, getting people in these positions uh, where they can compete is what's going to be important. Because um, you even see the way that the Patriots are picked off every year. Um, you know, if you're if you're part of the Patriots organization and they can pry you away, you're going to get some sort of a major level coaching job at the next level. Whether you're going to be good at it or not, you have you know, there's this idea that you have these secrets, you have this this special sauce, and um, so just getting players into organizations that can do well uh, or people into organizations that can do well and, and get that going. So, yeah, I didn't mean to get us too distracted there. Uh, we've got only so much time here on the podcast. So, yeah, let's dig into the NFC. and Yeah, uh, we're going to we're gonna start West. off with the NFC West here. Um, let's let's talk about that one team we think is going to open up first off, uh, you know, for in this division being the Cardinals um, in their draft, in their draft class. Um, one thing I don't want us to forget about their draft is the big move they made to get uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins from – you know, the uh, assistant GM down there in, in Houston, you know, Bill O'Brien. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, and their first round, their first, their first round pick being Isaiah Simmons, uh, monster on the defensive side of the ball and monsters, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins, he's got a monster on the off- offensive side of the ball. So I think this team is greatly improved coming into this season. Isaiah Simmons was my probably my top personal top prospect for this year's draft. I know a lot of people it was Chase Young, Joe Burrow, but I mean, and Joe Burrow would make a lot of sense being, you know, having the best college football season in the history of college football. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Chase Young, he's going to be a great uh, defensive end pass rusher, but he still is only filling like that one role. To me, like Isaiah Simmons is that top prospect because he literally did it all. He's big enough to be a linebacker, whether it's pass coverage or rushing rush the passer. But he's fast and nimble enough to where he could even cover some wide receivers. I'd probably use him more as like a tight uh, cover in those tight ends. And I think, you know, you put him up on a George Kittle, he might make him a non-issue. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just the Cardinals overall, I think that they're going to be uh, a really intriguing team to watch this year. Um, bringing over DeAndre Hopkins for Kyler Murray. Uh, hopefully he's going to step in, uh, step up, I should say, and we don't see a sophomore slump with him. Uh, but he's definitely got all the tools to be an extremely, extremely good NFL quarterback. Uh, you've got Larry Fitzgerald, which I think is going to be a tremendous influence uh, on DeAndre Hopkins. Not that I think he even needs a tremendous influence, but it, it never hurts. Uh, as well as Christian Kirk, he's going to be able to kind of excel even more. We, I think a lot of people had him really high coming out of it was Texas A&M, right? Um, really high, and and I think he's done well. You've got Kenyon Drake. They really were a competitive team last year, and they added some really, really good pieces this year. Uh, but that being said, they play, I think, in maybe the toughest division uh, with Seattle, with the uh, San Francisco 49ers, who I don't think are going to step take a step back and when the Rams are the maybe the worst team in your division uh, that's a problem <laughs> that's a problem yeah um going back stay, sticking with the Cardinals here I I mean they're they addressed the weaponry they addressed the defense and they also got 
I mean, I, what I believe is insane value with the th- their third pick, number 72 overall, and Josh Jones, the tackle out of Houston. Um, there was a lot of a lot of mock drafts that had the Dolphins taking him in the first round. So for him to slip and slide that far, I mean, obviously somebody's somebody saw something they didn't like on film or something. But I know he's raw, but he has got – He's got all the tools needed to be a, a fantastic tackle in the NFL. Yeah, and tackle is an important position there. Uh, Kyler Murray does maybe hold the ball a little bit too long, as a lot of scrambling quarterbacks do. They're looking for that big downfield play. Uh, so I think he was sacked. He was top 10 and most sacked last year. I don't have the exact stat on hand, but he was sacked very regularly. And as a guy who's small, you want to make sure you can find a way to protect him. Uh, and hopefully they can they can work out a scheme where they're getting the ball out of his hand quick. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, while he's a major deep threat, he is absolutely unreal underneath as well. Um, having been a Colts fan, watching him catch a lot of five and ten route ends, ten yard ends, uh, drive you crazy. So, what well, was it last year with the play where he did catch an underneath route? Was running up the field, spun out of a tackle, spun out of another tackle, and then went into the either got inside the five or just went into a touchdown. It was like a fifty yard touchdown, and he just. Yeah, caught an underneath route and made it happen. Yeah, I think I think DeAndre Hopkins honestly gets a lot of credit, but I almost think he's underrated. Uh, and I know that's kind of weird to say, but he is truly a complete receiver. He has more speed than people give him credit for. He he has the ability to break tackles. He has the ability to make guys miss. And he has, outside of Michael Thomas, maybe even still the best hands in the NFL. And it, yeah, I mean, like you were saying earlier, it's going to help him. No, it doesn't hurt anybody to have a Hall of Fame wide receiver in the in the room with you in Larry Fitzgerald. Right. If DeAndre Hopkins can become a full route tree master, uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, with that, let's move on um, to the the defense. Uh, uh, you know, as far as you know, what are we going to do? Let's talk about the Seahawks. Um, their, you know, their, their defensive side of the ball has been, in my opinion, um, uh, focused on uh, defensive backs. Sure. I mean, they took, it wasn't, la- it wasn't this year, but last year, I think they took six defensive backs. So they obviously know where the, the league is going as far as passing and whatnot. Um, I mean, this, this year, Two, the 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 Seahawks kind of went against their grain. They didn't trade out of the first round, you know. So yeah. they they picked up Jordan Brooks, uh, linebacker, who I think is supposed to be um, the next. Uh, who am I looking for? The next middle, the Mike in that in that. Uh, n- not Bobby Wagner. Who am I? JJ Wright. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, but they. They got a lot of flack for this pick because they could have easily traded out of the first round and picked this guy up in the second round. Um, so, what do you what do you guys think thoughts about the Seahawks on the, in this in this division here? Yeah, so the Seahawks they definitely uh, they have this thing where they they don't draft well, as I air quote here. Uh, but I think that's because Pete Carroll's a players' coach. He always has been since his days at USC, uh, and and. Similar, and I'll, I'll not try to jump out of divisions too much here, but similar to like a guys like uh, Chris Ballard or even Bill Belichick, they're looking for these intangible character things. 
So when they're drafting these guys, they're looking for some sort of an edge. I think Pete Carroll, he's looking for a little bit of a dirty edge. I don't know if you want to say <laughs> that, but um, guys who come in with a chip on their shoulder, guys who come in, um, play physical, play tough. And so if you have your guy, there's always been a saying in the, in the league, you know, if you have your guy and he's available in the round, you take him. You don't take the chance of losing him. Um, I think the big story with the Seahawks, though, is that they – I think that they have to re-sign Jadavian Clowney. I think the fact that they haven't uh, is just absurd to me at this point. Uh, they've, they've had their best success as a team uh, when they've had – number one, back when they had Cam Chancellor, who could monitor the center middle of the field with uh, Bobby Wagner and not let people throw underneath and quick. But – uh, when they can generate pressure and force throws to the outside of the field where they can take advantage of mismatches uh, with their corners. Again, going back, they have that big focus on DBs. Uh, but if they can't generate under pressure and people can run the ball, uh, you can have all the DBs on the field that you want, but teams are going to run the ball down on you, especially you get in the playoffs. That's where it matters. doesn't matter how good your regular season record is, but if you get in the playoffs against a team like San Francisco, a team like the Ravens, uh, they're just going to run the ball on you and, and close you out and, and, and choke the game out of you. That's what happened to the Patriots last year. We went up against a team that was designed to run the ball when our defense was meant to shut down the pass, and it did all year. And then Derrick Henry just came and mowed everybody over. Uh, but as far as the Seahawks go, yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely need to re-sign Jadavian um, Clowney. I think if they can get him back, they are true competitors to the 49ers on being the division winners just because anytime you have a better quarterback, that immediately gives you an edge. Yeah. And Jimmy G, I think, is good, not Russell Wilson good. And they have, I think they have better, Seahawks have better receivers too. They still need help on the O line, but I, defense is complete. Yeah, picking up on that, on the quarterback and the receivers there, I, um, I believe that DK Metcalf is going to have a, outstanding season they talked about in the you know shortly after the season ended uh expanding his route tree already i mean they, they're they're supremely impressed with this guy and i think he's i think he's set up for uh, a huge season i think you know they brought it they said they have tyler lockett they brought in philip dorsett I, I mean they've got some serious weapons there to catch the ball and i think i think dk with his physicality is gonna be, is gonna be their number one receiver i don't think it's close Plus Greg, uh, Greg Olson, Greg uh, Olson is coming huge. in at tight end, and then they'll get Will Disley back, who was looking like a top fantasy tight end until he got hurt. Yeah, and I think uh, Russell Wilson is a bit of a of a wide receiver killer. Uh, through this podcast, you're probably going to hear me. You, one would say knock on Russell Wilson. I want to be very clear and upfront about the fact that I think that he is an absolute phenomenal football player. Uh, but again, when it comes to like wide receivers, you see guys who leave Seattle um, when uh, a lot of Seattle fans here, they don't have any receivers, right? No receivers. We never have any good receivers. Uh, and then Golden Tate leaves, goes, uh, plays with Matt Stafford, a guy who gets the ball to wide receivers. And suddenly they're like, oh, Golden Tate's, you know, a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Uh, so that's going to question whether or not DK has long-term success. Uh, and if he can make that next leap, but he is definitely always going to be a top threat on the field because he takes the top off of a defense. And you saw that late in the year and it's, it's very dangerous combination. Russell Wilson throws a great deep ball. So 
With that, uh, we're going to move into let's move. Let's talk about the 49ers and former Seahawk Richard Sherman. Is <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about uh, defending these guys. Um, you know, obviously Richard Sherman's one of the best cornerbacks. Has been one of the best cornerbacks uh, for a long, long time now. Um, and I mean, you know, this 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 San Francisco defensive front too is is a, is monsters. Even though they lost uh, DeForest Buckner. To the Colts in a trade, they got they picked up Javon Kinlaw in the first they, round. They essentially traded uh, salary cap Buckner they, yeah. for Kinlaw. They and traded a guy money. who was twenty six coming out of his first contract. You know, you save twenty million a year as the Colts made him one of the highest paid players. Uh, clearly, he's he's worth that kind of money uh, if he stays healthy. But you essentially just trade in, you get the best defensive tackle in the draft. I think that was a brilliant move uh, by Lynch and company over there. Uh, I wanted to touch on quarterbacks real quick. I mean, you look at uh, Jimmy G, and this is really going to be his first, you know, first full year coming off of a full year in a system in San Francisco uh, due to the injuries and coming over late and things like that. So I expect him to take a major step up, um, see more of kind of what we saw as the potential that he had. And then the other question is, can the 49ers sustain that running game having traded away Matt Breida? Uh, a running back who kind of was that really big change of pace guy who was breaking a lot of big runs uh, down the stretch. I think um, they're relying on Jarek McKinnon coming back fully healthy too. Um, you know, they have uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, Jared McKinnon, and there's one Tevin of Coleman. Tevin, Tevin Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. I mean, that running back room is pretty stacked, uh, you know, and, and Matt Breida was in there too. It's kind of crazy how they got outside all of the fact on the field. That, outside of the fact that none of these guys seem to be able to stay healthy. I mean, <laughs> that's why Tevin Coleman was not signed to that big of a deal coming over there because he was never healthy in Arizona. Um, yeah, Mostert was definitely, I think, probably the only one that had without injury history. I think so. I think so. Yeah. So that's a that's a really interesting. I, I think they reloaded on defense, and they're not they're they're young overall around the team. And it, this is definitely coming out. I'm going to say this is a team to beat in the NFC West, but also in the in the entire NFL. This is a team to beat. Quick argument to you on Jimmy G taking a step forward. I don't think that he does or necessarily has to if they sustain the running team running game then Jimmy G doesn't have to do much there was a few games in this during the season where uh they you know they had to ask him hey we need you to sling the ball and win the game and he did that the only sure. team that didn't happen the only game that didn't happen was the was the Super Bowl yeah and I guess to that point just kind of unpacking that a little bit more I, Jimmy G has all the talent he he throws a great ball he analyzes defense as well he doesn't turn the ball over very much um but again, in that Super Bowl, he he didn't have the confidence. The team didn't have the confidence in him. So maybe when I'm saying a step forward, I'm thinking more along the lines of the team's confidence in him, his confidence in himself to rise up to any big game, which really makes this team nearly unbeatable. And obviously, that's a big statement in the NFL. But they were extremely dominant. That defense is and that defense is, is going to keep people in check. Yeah, that defensive line lead, is real. So. It's it's I mean yeah if you can run the ball and you can and you can play defense the way they do you're gonna win a lot of football games that's for sure. And they're stacking up their wide receivers too with their uh, first round pick Brandon Ayuk. I think him and Debo Samuel will kind of help open Jimmy G up more when they do need him to pass the ball. Yep. I mean, and we we haven't even talked about their tight end. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, George Kittle is George Kittle. He is a man of a amongst boys. So. 
not much to say there. Um, all right. Well, okay. So we've covered three teams, and we'll we'll talk about the LA Rams now, who I believe are in the biggest trouble in this division. I I, I see them as a six win team right now. Um, they didn't address anything on that offensive line. They lost pieces on that offensive line. You you take your second round pick and you draft a running back. I I, I don't. I just. I, I mean. Sean McVay has proven that he should be trusted as far as an offensive mind. I just don't know what what I'm looking at yet, That's a, and it's making me nervous. Yeah, and I think th- when you have when you have Aaron Donald and you have uh, Jalen Ramsey, and you're not saying this is going to be the best team in the league, that's that's a big statement, uh, especially when you've seen just the decline that they've had. Uh, there's there's something that doesn't quite click, I don't think, and. Is it is it just roster continuity? Is it that they've paid out too many big contracts? What is what is it? I, I I'm at a loss with the Rams because um, about two years ago, three years ago, I pegged them as as the the top team in the NFL, and you saw it. They they went to the Super Bowl. They were the most dominant team in the NFL, and then they just kind of fell off a cliff. And there's really, to me, no sight of that turning around. I think you're right with the big contracts. I think they're paying too many stars right now, and they don't have any depth. I can't, which, and they're trade, they keep trading away their first round picks for more of these stars that they turn around and pay. Uh, like, I mean, uh, they went and traded their first round pick a few years ago to Brandon Cooks, then gave him like an $18 million a year contract. A one skill guy doesn't need that kind of money. Yeah. Uh, I'm starting to think Sean, uh, be very suspect of Sean McVay's ability to manage the team from the financial GM standpoint. I think he's a great coach. I think they need to get him some help on the front office duties. Yeah, I think that's becoming more and more clear because uh, offensively, he's a genius. Every, everywhere you've seen him go, he's made things work. Uh, I think biggest mistake probably they ever made was paying Jared Goff. That guy is a very much a system quarterback. He is not a guy who's going to elevate your team. But in the right situation, he is going to be able to execute certain plays, and he throws a great ball. Uh, but again, he's just one of those guys that he shouldn't be near the top in the league of salary. He's just not that. He's just not that level. Yeah, their their model for in the LA right now is is stars and scrubs. <laughs> yeah, and they're they're hitting on some and not hitting on others. Like I said, I, I th- this division overall, I think, is going to be. One of the toughest in the NFL, NFC or AFC. Um, I mean, where, where do you guys think it stacks up? Like I said, I think I think the Rams being a six-win team in this division tells you enough. I think that does put them at the bottom. Uh, they are in salary cap hell here, uh, just because they got Todd Gurley's dead cap and Brandon Cook's dead cap. I think this will be kind of a rebuilding year for them. So with that being said, the Rams are my last ranked team in the NFC West. My next would be the Arizona Cardinals. I think talent-wise, they got everything that they want that they need. Probably need some more offensive line help. Just a young team overall, too. Yeah, young team. They just, uh, unfortunately, in a great division with the 49ers and the Seahawks, be my next two teams, obviously. Uh, with then with that forward, I would go with the Seattle Seahawks as my second-ranked team. Um, if they get Jadavian Clowney, I might have to amend that to push them above the 49ers just because 
with when you got Russell Wilson as your quarterback making all these fourth quarter comebacks. I mean, they almost beat the 49ers. They almost swept them. They won one game, right? Yeah. And the other one, I believe, was pretty competitive. So I think, I think they could very easily win the division out from the 49ers. But that, but now, top ranked team as of right now is the 49ers. They're just their roster is just too good. Jimmy G is a great game manager with that next step possibility with these new young wide receivers developing. I think Debo Samuel is going to be a nice number one piece with Brandon Ayuk. You obviously get, obviously got George Kittle. There's the true uh, primary receiver in that running back game. That running game that they have is just out of this world good. Yeah, so uh, pretty. I'd say rankings are about spot on with what I'd go with there. Uh, just kind of sitting here thinking, it is always interesting. Anytime that a team is really good, we always think about how, well, they're probably not going to be as good this year so often. So that's the same thing with the 49ers. Um, you almost kind of have this feeling that they'll take a step back. Uh, but I think that they're a really well-built built team. I think they're a team that's built to win. Uh, so I definitely have them at the top of the rankings. Obviously, with Russell Wilson, uh, Seattle's a threat uh, anytime, anytime they're in that same division. Uh, again, I think that majorly hinges on uh, Jadavian Clowney coming back because that's where my rankings would be a bit different. If they don't re- re-sign Jadavian Clowney, I'm almost willing to put uh, the Cardinals above the Seahawks this year. Cardinals did win, I believe, in Seattle. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, late in the season last year against Seattle. They did have a win against Seattle. Uh, but then that does bring me down to my last ranked team, and that's the Rams. Uh, even then, I still expect them to be an 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, team. Uh, just a really, really solid division all around. I mean, we've seen where – you've heard me talk about where I think the Rams are. I, yeah, I mean, six or seven wins is my ceiling for them. I, I just – they have nobody on that offensive line to do anything with. And, and when you play – when you play a team like San Francisco, who's got just monsters on the D line, I think that's two losses to me. I don't care what Sean McVay and his offense has to say about it. I think that's two losses right there. I think you spl- you 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 get lucky and split the two with um, with uh, uh, Arizona, and then I think you, I think they still get swept by Seattle. I don't know. I, I I'm just I'm real real low on the Rams. Um, I agree with James, you know, the Seahawks do need to get a pass rush. And if they, if they don't, I could, I could see Arizona with the weapons that they have now, uh, leapfrogging them for a second place in the division, but I could see them real close. I, I could see it like both of them being nine and seven and, and it coming down to tiebreakers type of thing. Yeah. A little, little, little thought, little snippet on that. A guy like Isaiah Simmons is the perfect Russell Wilson neutralizer. You can play him in so many different types of spy coverage, blitz, packages, um, and he is athletic enough to get to Russell Wilson. And as we've seen, if that defense doesn't step up in a big way, that whole team is going to run through Russell Wilson again. And, uh, you know, that could, that could be the mismatch that, that changes those games. Just to answer your thing from earlier, Cardinals, yes, did beat the Seahawks uh, back in December. I think it even might have been the last game of the year. Okay. That was after – Seattle lost Chris Carson and Rashad, uh, Rashad Penny to injury, and their best option was Travis Homer and senior citizen Marshawn Lynch that, you know, got prepared for this by getting punched in the gut a few times. <laughs> well, durability has been a big issue for Seattle 
whether Russell Wilson's had a nicked up ankle, whether they've had injured running backs, uh, that's just going to be the the name of the beast when you play that type of offense. And in a tough division, in this tough, tough division. Yeah. So, moving on, guys. I think. Well, let's talk about the NFC East. Never can talk about the Cowboys too much, right? The NFC least. Uh, I think this division is going to be on a total flip from the uh, the AFC or excuse me NFC East or geez, please, NFC West. I think this division is a total flip. I think this is it's going to be a competitive division, but it's going to be competitive at the bottom of the NFL. I could see almost every team being five hundred. So I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, I think that. I think that they're going to take a big leap. I, I find them still in the middle of the road. I don't think they're going to be in a powerhouse division or anything like that. Um, I'm going to start off with uh, the team that I think is going to have the biggest change, and that's the uh, Washington Redskins. Um, I think that bringing in uh, Ron Rivera is a huge, huge move. I think he's a player's coach. I think he's a culture guy. Uh, you you take the the pick with Chase Young this year. You pair that up with a guy in Montez Sweat who had nine and a half sacks last year. Uh, Matt Ioannidis, who's been uh, killing it for a couple years there. Uh, Jonathan Allen, you've got size, you've got speed, you've got a lot of terror on that defensive line. Uh, Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver there, is taking some big leaps and bounds. Uh, you bring him back AP, you expect uh, Darius, guys. Darius, guys. Darius guys, thanks, uh, to come back, be healthy. Can you expect that though? It's been two seasons. You hope, <laughs> yeah, you hope. You hope a lot of the, a lot of guys these these days will come back and have at least one or two years. Uh, maybe they won't have the long long seasons, but the long sustained success. But I think that's a team that could that could easily surprise a lot of people this year. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be sleeping on them. Well, yeah, it all it kind of all hinges on on uh, Dwayne Haskins taking that step forward. You know they. They drafted him, you know, two years ago. The top three or was it top two, something like that. He was like the fifteenth. Was he the fifteenth overall pick? Oh, like that's that. right. He fell. And First he was round. All, yeah. He was all mad. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, like, with that being said, they 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 mirror to me a little bit. Don't get me wrong here. They mirror to me a little bit. A lot like they look a lot like the San Francisco 49ers, where they've got monsters on the defensive line and young young talent at the offensive positions but that defensive line i mean outside of ap anyways well yes (laughs) uh but that defensive line is is built to to hurt people to 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 destroy your game plan as with anything you want to throw at it it's it's i mean like i said with chase young with montez sweat former first rounder you know they've got first rounders everywhere on there so that that defense could be the turning point for that that team and again going back to ron rivera defensive head coach i think and uh i think that they i think that they can definitely take a big step forward what that big step looks like who knows they could. They certainly could be a more competitive team. They could still end up with a top five pick, but look better doing it. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of questions to be answered, but I, that defense is going to be very, very strong. Keep in mind, they did bring in Kyle Allen, who uh, starting out last year with the Panthers 
was fairly successful. I think he won his first five games. He was doing great. Uh, but that defense was just absolutely terrible. They're, they just weren't playing. Um, and at, at some point when your best weapon is a running back in this league, uh, you're going to fail if your defense can't slow people down. So you at least have, again, more competition. I think that's always important. You have competition with Haskins. Uh, and then the big question is, could Haskins step up? Or if not, can Kyle Allen come in and play that game manager role? Can you trust him uh, to just not turn the ball over, let your defense make plays, uh, chip away, and and see what happens? Next, I guess we'll talk about the uh, Cowboys here. Uh, Cowboys were very surprising at the draft. I, I went into it thinking they're going to take a safety or another pass rusher, and but I think uh, – Jerry Jones got a little excited there when he saw C.D. Lamb sitting there at the 17th that he could pick up with the 17th overall pick, and he decided to roll the dice. And now, I mean, they were already good offensively, and now they have, like, two potentially number one wide receiver talents with Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, and then probably one of the best number two guys in the league with Michael Gallup, who has wide receiver one uh, upside. I think he outperformed Gallup at the end of the season and may even have more yards than him. Yeah. Or more yards than Cooper. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think that offense is typically a way to win Super Bowls. Uh, that being said, they do have a decent defense every year. They seem to be able to put something together. Uh, I think that it's a completely different team next year with the head coach that I find is actually a competent and worthy head coach. Uh, I think Jer- Jason Garrett was a friend hire by Jerry Jones uh, back in 2010. Yeah, he, I think he was a coach for 10 uh, years. You know, and then consist- Jerry Jones is probably the best team builder in the league. I mean, if you they have the best talent year in, year out. The fact that Jason Garrett seemed to be able to make the wrong call every single time a game was on the line or anytime they started doing things well, he'd go away from the run or he'd go too much, you know, it too much to the run when they couldn't move the ball. Uh, so I think a guy like Mike McCarthy, who's going to be able to manage an entire team who has experience pl- calling plays as well up in green Bay. And let's be honest, only doesn't have a job because Aaron Rodgers uh, threw a big fit and made it all about him. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, piggybacking off of that, the, the one team that I could see, breaking out in this in the and it, it hinges on whether they get Dak in there um but the is the Dallas Cowboys they had a they had a fantastic draft I mean CeeDee Lamb at 17 is pretty crazy and they come back around in the second round and get uh Trevon Diggs who at the end of the second round again a monster value um in my opinion uh I think you know there was there are there there certainly um he was regarded as a potential first, first rounder. First yeah, round exactly. Talent. And, and for, to get him at the end of the second round is pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, Definitely instantly replaces having lost Byron Jones to the Dolphins earlier in yeah. the offseason. Yeah, I don't know if he's quite the same player that Byron it will, was. You know, Byron's pretty was pretty in Dallas was really very, very versatile. But uh, you know, that's a conversation for another day. Um, I mean, going in here to you know. Their draft. Looking at their draft, they they picked up Tyler Byadash, uh, you know, in at, at one forty six, um, who has some health concerns, and that's the only reason why he was available down there. I mean, 
if he would have came out, if Bayadash was available last year, you know, in the 2019 draft, he would have been a second round pick all day. And so that helps them, you know, helps that already strong offensive line, but, you know, they did lose Travis Frederick to retirement. So they needed to, they needed another body in there. And I think Bayadash is very, very talented. It's just, it's a health concern. You know, it, it is, that's all, that's all it is with him. So I think, I think Dallas could be the team that breaks out of this division. Um, it, it just hinges on, on, on getting Dak in there. I mean, you know, that being said, Andy Dalton has shown he's can, he can, you know, lead a, lead a winning team to or take a team to the playoffs um, and lead, lead a, lead a season that has, you know, that's, that's full of winning. Um, so with, yeah, and I think Dallas that, is an interesting, interesting case study this that year. That definitely adds uh controversy to your locker room that you don't ever want to have um we still don't know if if Dak is going to be a cowboy next year uh and at this point it's hurting the culture of that locker room uh you see other guys getting paid you see Dak not getting paid uh a lot of people will say Dak is not worthy of a contract I would argue he's not but at the same time when you look at other players who've done less who've won less uh that do get paid you know um you look at it's all about wins right tom brady's the goat because he has six super bowl wins right but he's been on fantastic teams his entire career yes he's taken less money to do that um but one on one hand we we assign all the value in wins and another hand we assign all the value in production and yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting case study with Dak. I would say that he, by all standards of quarterbacks getting paid in this league, he's earned it. And a lot of players in the league feel the same way. I think this. I think Dak should sign his first, like this franchise tag that they gave him, and play out this year because it will be very telling of where his perceived shortcomings actually came from. Because you're right, he is a, he is a winning quarterback. So by that means he should be getting paid. But at the same time, there's been t- there been many things suspect about his production, like not a lot of fourth quarter comebacks last year. There were a lot of games they got behind and then just never never even try, uh, could come back. But is that was that Jason Garrett or, or was that Dak not being able to rise to the occasion? And I think with Mike McCarthy here, it should be very telling for Dak, and it's either going to make make turn him into a $35 million a year quarterback like he wants, or uh, he Dallas might decide, yeah, it was you. We're going to move on unless you want to sign a $25 million a year contract. Yeah. I guess that would be the other question too, is like, what is Andy Dalton willing to sign a, a contract for? Is he, is he going to come in and play for one year, throw for 3,500 yards and 25 touchdowns uh, that team go 13 and three, first round out in the buy and then he's going to want 35 million 40 million a year because he just came in and won in this system and now he's a winning quarterback uh you know and that's that's the that's the thing you run with these quarterbacks is a lot of times when you have your guy the quarterback is more than just a field general he he talks to the press he holds a locker room together he's the face of a franchise and i think to all standards Dak has done all those things should a quarterback take less money all the time, every single time. Yes, that is undeniably true. If Dak took a twenty-five million a year contract, a thirty million a year contract, 
the team would do better. And I would say the same exact thing about Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes should take $22 million a year and win 14 Super Bowls. That's what I think he should do. But he's going to take $42 million a year, I'm sure. $45 million a year, who knows, when the caps get raised. And yeah. you're going to see the team blow up because now all of a sudden you don't have a defense. You don't have an offensive line. Well, they're already up against the cap, but that's where you know. Those, those are those are different conversations. But when we when we talk about just the value of should a player get paid, based on what we've seen in the past, Dak is getting railroaded, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. As far as like the quarterbacks are just so highly valued above anything else, Dak could take a pay cut and still be uh, outside of quarterbacks one of the highest paid players in the league. Exactly. Like. Defensive ends is probably the next highest paid, and they're still in the twenty to twenty-two million dollar range. If Dak takes twenty-five, he's still getting paid more than any other defensive end in the league, and then yeah. they can go out and get more talent. I think quarterbacks are so overrated. I think that uh, they're the most important and most overrated player on the field at any time. I think that they uh, they take way too much money, and but again, you look at a guy like Matt Stafford, who, who I think doesn't have a playoff win or has one playoff win. Not a lot of postseason success. Puts up stats year after year unless he gets hurt like this one. And he was one of those quarterbacks who reset the market. Uh, it's a different conversation if we're saying as a league, saying, hey, we want to lower the cap on quarterbacks. Uh, we're publicly saying that. We think that our quarterback markets are getting out of control. Uh, but just to – I think that the way that the Cowboys are handling it, kind of keeping it closed doors, bringing in Andy Dalton uh, – It's not a great look. And again, I think just going back to the culture side of it, there's a lot of players and let's not pretend that race doesn't exist and that players don't think about these things. Uh, But Dak is a colored quarterback who's not getting paid, who from every aspect looks like he should. And with the league being primarily uh, minorities, that's an issue. Uh, that's going to cause rifts within locker rooms. We've already seen these type of things. I don't like to get too political, but these are things that exist, and that's something you have to think about uh, when you're when you're making these decisions. And that may very well be influencing his decisions. You know, I'm sure he's got people in his ear telling him you need to do this for the other people in your position. Yeah. Moving on to a. Keeping it with the quarterbacks. Nick's um, always taking the fun out of the situation. <laughs> uh, keeping it with the quarterbacks, let's talk about the Eagles quarterback room. I mean, drafting Jalen Hurts behind Carson Wentz, who did get his payday. Well, if we were going to talk about the most overrated quarterback in the NFC or the NFL, Carson Wentz would be the guy. Isn't this the guy who set set the market for quarterbacks as well? Yeah, I mean, well, between him, Rodgers, Wilson, and Goff, they all got signed within a year of each other. Yeah, I'm kind of curious think, here. Let's. Uh, I think Wentz got like thirty-one, thirty-two million a year on average, and that's I, I think that's only because of the injury history. I think he. I think had he been healthy, did he just he get, the, did he just get signed to an extension? I think he did last year, off, last and it doesn't kick in until next year. So the year that he came off of throwing 3,074 yards and 21 touchdowns was the year that he set the market. Broken. Not the year, not his best statistical year afterwards of 4,039 yards and 27 touchdowns. Marks that don't even come close to Dak. And that's where that's where the overrated issues come in. That's where like I get passionate on that. And that's where the Eagles made a huge mistake, I think, signing, signing Wentz. 
I think Wentz is great. I think the I think the just the injury history is you know can you depend? You can't count on on him to be there at the end of the season because he literally hasn't been there at the end of the season. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl, um, but you know you guys were saying earlier about the Cowboys being if if any team's going to break out of it, it's going to be them. But I think the Eagles have just as good a shot because last year cluster injuries up the yin yang. Like first they lost all their defensive backs, like three of them went on IR and they're sitting there pulling guys off the street. And then as soon as they get healthy then all their wide receivers go to trash and their offensive line goes to trash, like they limped into the playoffs beating the a very healthy Cowboys team to do it. Well, I think they got, you know, they, they, they made the playoffs because they played in the worst division of football last year. You know, you got to play the Redskins twice. You got to play the Giants twice. You got to play the Cowboys twice. And I'm no nobody here is saying that the Cowboys were a good team last year, a talent or a, a production team last year. Uh, and I think that if you watched a lot of those games, again, you could say, Jason Garrett, what in the heck are you doing? Um, I think that I think it's the exact opposite. I think the Cowboy or the the Eagles are more likely to have a major slide, a major fall. Uh, I think that while there may be some good in bringing in Jalen Hurts, who I think in the right system could be really, really fantastic for a team. Uh, it could cause more issues for Carson Wentz. Uh, you hear about attitude problems. You hear about locker room problems. Again, going to back to what your franchise quarterback needs to be. Uh, can he take another year of the questions of, should we be starting this guy instead of Carson Wentz uh, and how that affects the whole team? Did they address any issues with uh, wide receiver? Oh yeah, they, oh yeah. They got uh, Goodwin for like a fifth round or Marquise something like Goodwin, that from they the Forty Niners. Yeah, drafted Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager. I think um, they're old. Outside of Jalen Rager, they got Alshon Jeffrey, who I think is thirty. Deshaun Jackson, who's over thirty, and I think Goodwin is over thirty. So, so you have a bunch is, of burners. You don't have much in the way of the technicians outside. Of well, Hertz. they have two. They have the two Hertz, tight ends. Yeah, yeah, Dallas Goddard. Do not sleep on him. Yeah. He's he's a great tight end. So I mean that that takes care of you know the the intermediate routes if you got you know you got guys stretching the field you got these two tight ends underneath. And then Miles Sanders, I think they let uh, Jordan Howard go because they believe in Miles Sanders being a feature back. I think he can do the tackles and be a great pass catching option. Underneath. Yeah, I think he was an absolute steal. Uh, you know, playing behind Saquon Barkley. You know, I think if this guy, if Saquon Barkley and him hadn't been at school at the same time, I think we would have seen a much more impressive resume from Sanders. And I think he would have been much higher pick than, than a lot more value coming to the league because he's fantastic. Well, good segue into the final team here. Let's talk about the the Giants and Giants. Saquon, Saquon Barkley and um, Daniel Jones. Um, I know that the Dave Gettleman, you know, being Dave, didn't do uh, didn't trade as down a single time in this year's draft. They took they 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 really really addressed the offensive linemen with you know or offensive line with three linemen in the top hundred or excuse me two two linemen in the top hundred. Well, and the, the more importantly, they took a lineman with the fourth pick. Yeah, I think that that's you know I I was. Again, as a Colts fan, letting that bias show through. Uh, I heard uh, Chris Ballard talking the other day. He was talking with scouts before drafting Quentin Nelson, and they and everybody said to him, "You know, you can't draft a guard at six. He said, "Why not?" It's the same thing with a tackle, right? Like these guys don't get enough love, and I think that's a phenomenal move. 
uh, getting a premier tackle to protect uh, Daniel Jones, who looks to have some promise, uh, as well as you get some more blocking for Saquon Barkley. I think that's huge. I think that was a really, really smart pick, bold pick, almost picking a tackle at four. Picking a tackle at four, and they, they did address a little bit of the defense with safety out of Alabama, Xavier McKinney, who, uh, you know, with their second-round pick, I mean, it, let's be honest, it's basically a first round, you know, at number 36 overall, but Xavier McKinney was projected all over the place to go in the first round, so you're getting first-round value in the second round. Um, and a versatile pick, too. I mean, he's a guy that plays down in the box really well. He can run and cover. He can play a little bit of man, zone. Uh, that's really important uh, to get a guy like that, that at safety specifically, who can play a lot of different fields, especially with all the nickel and different things like that that are getting played these days. He's actually the guy that I had the uh, Cowboys taken at 17 until he took CD. Um, yeah. The Giants, I think they're going to be there offensively if Evan Ingram can stay healthy. I think they got – not a star wide receiver, but a nice group of wide receivers with uh, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. I think Slayton had a great year, obviously has good rapport with uh, Daniel Jones. So I, th- I think offensively, it's there. I mean, if they get a chance at a star wide receiver, sure, why not? But I think this next off, I, don't, I still think they finish in like the bottom 10 of teams as a whole just because the defense is not – quite there the defensive secondary is not good yeah. outside of i mean safety the we'll rookie see what safety, exa- yeah, yeah we'll see what mckinney ha- does in his first year but i think this year they're going to be bad next year's off season and draft is going to be all about defense yeah and i think this is a year where i'm really struggling to find a team just kind of through all my analysis uh that's really going to be just bad um uh, and maybe that's just off-season hope for all NFL teams. But uh, even the Cowboys, maybe they're a, a six, seven win team. But I don't expect them to be a two, three, four, five win team. Uh, I definitely think that they they did enough to just kind of get themselves elevated out of the dumps. Uh, and I think that this, the NFC least, should not quite be as dismal as it was last year. Because let's be honest, it was it was absolutely terrible. No, you got two teams picking in the top four. Yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that alone yeah. says it. Yeah, yeah. So kind of breaking it down, um, I'm probably gonna have the the Cowboys top of the division. Uh, I'm gonna show a little bit of hope and bias here. I am putting the Redskins number two. I do think that they make a major leap forward. These all could change, obviously, if the quarterback situation just completely bombs. Uh, but I don't see Philadelphia making that next step. They weren't great last year. You know, again, they just played in a terrible division. Uh, and then I think the Giants coming in at the last bit there for me. I, I'm i going to jump in here and I'm going to I think I'm, I'm going to completely disagree. I think I think the uh, Redskins are at the bottom. Uh, they're still a very young quarterback. Uh, their offensive weapons are good, not great. I would say decent, not not good, really. I mean, you're talking about an ancient AP and a constantly hurt running back. Um, so, uh, Redskins at the bottom for me, Giants, and then I'm going to go Cowboys and I'm going to put the Eagles at the top. I think with their improvements on the offensive side of the ball, I think, and for God's sakes, if they stay healthy, uh, I think I'll go with the Giants at the bottom, uh, followed still closely by the Redskins. I just think Daniel Jones isn't quite, we'll see what kind of second year leap he makes, but I, 
I don't think he is good enough to outscore teams like he's going to have to with how bad their defense is going to be. Whereas Dwayne Haskins or whoever starts for the Redskins is going to only have to put up like 20, 21 points to win, win some games. Next, I think I would go the Cowboys, even with or without Dak. And I just think talent-wise, Eagles are at the top. Uh, if Wentz stays healthy, I think they could be easily be a 10-11 win team. Yeah. So we are running out of te- we are running out of time here. Um, I do want to just get the last word because I went first. I'm going to go with Max Kellerman here, and I'm just going to leave this. I do believe this is more the NFL is a coaches league. It's not a players league. And that's the difference I think I have with the Washington Redskins. So I'm going to throw it back to Nick. But I had to get my last word in there because that's just the kind of guy I am. <laughs> thanks, thanks, James. And thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us here on the All B Sports Podcast cast where it's all BS all the time. Join us next week while we break down the NFC North and the NFC South and uh, get into some more BS. Thanks, guys. <laughs>